29, 11. Everybody knows that. And if you can't see me, uh, you're just out of luck. Amen. God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of, of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But then, here comes verse 12. Then you shall call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. How many of you like that? And we'll, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now, the, the context of this passage, as I've shared with you the last few Sundays, the context of this passage is the children of Israel are where when Jeremiah speaks this. Somebody say it out loud. Where were they? They were in Babylon. They were, they were, they were serving a 70 year prison sentence, if you will, uh, because of their idolatry. And God shows up and says, Hey, hey, in the middle of all this, I want you to know that even though there's, uh, there's, uh, uh, you're serving a prison sentence in a sense, I still have a plan for your life. But guess what you're going to have to do in order for that future and hope to be made manifest? You're going to have to move to a whole new season of seeking me with all your heart and searching for me. And guess what? I will be found by you, says the Lord. So what a great passage of Scripture. And then a couple of weeks ago, we looked in Isaiah 55 where the same thing. The, uh, Isaiah the prophet is ministering during the Babylonian captivity and he says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now, you see anything kind of a common thread here. God's calling his people to seek Him. And we talked about this a few Sundays ago, that, hey, in order to get from here to there, in order to get from where you don't need to be to where God wants you, you've got to begin to seek Him. Everybody say, we've got to seek Him. And then last Sunday, and if you weren't here last Sunday, I would encourage you, uh, there we go, I would encourage you to uh, uh, do everything in your power uh, to go back to the to the uh, on the website and begin to go back and listen to these messages. But we looked at Daniel last week. Daniel was one of my favorite guys. He's one who really uh, is a seeker after God. And when was Daniel's ministry? Daniel's prophetic ministry operated throughout what? Babylonian captivity. And he sought the Lord. And you know how God blessed him. In fact, though not in your PowerPoint notes, Daniel 610, uh, when, when some of his, uh, guys that served with him got jealous because of the blessings of God upon his life, they, they put together a trap for him. And they talked King Nebuchadnezzar to, to sign, uh, a, a, a kind of an edict that anyone who worshiped or prayed to another God other than, than Nebuchadnezzar would be thrown into the what? Somebody say the lion's den. And so Daniel 6.10, it says, When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Everyone say, as was his custom since early days. I'm telling you, Daniel was a seeker of God. And God spoke to him and spoke through him and used him mightily 
to minister not only uh, to the Babylonian culture, but to the children of Israel who were in Babylonian captivity. Now, the cool thing about Daniel is he lived in Babylon, but Babylon did not live in him. How many of you know we live in a Babylonian type, uh, uh, Chaldean type mindset in our culture today? And as a seeker of God, we've got to resist the, the mindset of this world and allow the word and the will of God to be made manifest in and through us and his purposes to be realized in and through us. Therefore, we've got to seek him. Somebody say we've got to seek him. So we developed the big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Here's the big idea. And this is what we've been kind of setting up residence in our hearts, hopefully. And it is this. In order for the promise and plan of God to unfold in any believer's life, it normally requires the cooperation and commitment of a consistent and wholehearted, faith-filled prayer life. You can't just stumble into the purpose and plan of God for your life. You can't just fast-talk your way into the purpose and plan of God for your life. We've got to seek Him like never before. Like the prophet Jeremiah spoke, like the prophet Isaiah spoke, like Daniel modeled before us, we've got to seek Him. If you want to see God's purposes and plan unfold in your life, you've got to seek Him. You've got to cooperate with the will of God at the place of prayer. And everybody said, Amen. Now this morning in Psalm 27, if you're not in Psalm 27, I encourage you to go there. David, how many of you know David was a real seeker after God? He sought the Lord. And Psalm 27 is really a psalm of the power of a, of a committed heart at the place of prayer. And that was the life of David. How many of you know David's life was not perfect? But he sought the Lord. In fact, the Bible says one, one of the descriptives of him was a man after what? God's own heart. He had a desire to live and dwell and breathe in the presence of God. And so we're going to look at Psalm 27, and we're going to learn some things. In fact, I'm going to call them Davidic disciplines of a serious seeker. We're going to look at, I'm going to show you four thoughts here in this Psalm 27 that you and I can embrace in our life. Disciplines that we can develop within our life and become, uh, on some level, a more serious seeker after the things of God. And I want you to look at verse 7 and 8 just for a moment. And so you'll see kind of the theme or the thought of this psalm. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Look in verse 8. This is key. We'll look at it again, but I want you to see it. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Father, we thank you for Psalm 27. May it bring forth much fruit in our life today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to give you four disciplines that David had operating in his life from Psalm 27 that produced within him the capacity, the desire, the ability to seek God to a place where he found him, just like these prophets have encouraged us to do. The first one is this. I want you to write this down if you can. It's a discipline of history. Everyone say, a discipline of history. The first three verses, David is talking about his history with God. He said, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, not maybe, the Lord is. Everyone say, the Lord is. 
See, he knew some things about God. He said, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now catch the history. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. What was he confident in? His history with God. You see, David had developed a history with the Lord. You may not have a history today. You may not have much history, much time under your belt, much much relationship under your belt with God. Listen, if that's the case with you, you can just rely upon His story, and He will give you a His story with Him. Somebody say amen. Because His story is what it's all about. And this week, as we ponder the, the life of Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, His story will give you a history with God. If you'll embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, and David embraced the lordship of Christ in his life, he had developed a lifestyle of relationship with God that produced some relational history. You ever heard anybody saying this? Oh, men, oh, so-and-so, we go back, we go way back. What's he saying? We've got a history. And David had developed a history of relationship with God. He, he developed a lifestyle, and he determined some things about God. How many of you know the more you get to know somebody, you, the more you know them? You know, some people you don't know. Is there anybody here that does not know someone in this room? Come on. Is there anybody here that does not know someone in this room? Is there anybody here that knows everybody? No, nobody knows everybody. We need to know more people. But let me tell you something. The more you know someone, the more you know who they are and, and how they impact or will influence your life. And that was the case with David and God. What, what, did he, what did he say? He said, the Lord is my light. Not maybe, not I hope the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. You know, there was a time in 1 Samuel 30 when David and, and, and his mighty men came back from battle. And they came back to Ziklag where they were and the Amalekites had raided the camp and stolen all their goods and stolen their wives and their kids. So much so was the, was the trauma to it that David's own men spoke of stoning him. And David did something very important in that dark moment. David set himself to seek the Lord. And he, in fact, he said, bring me the linen ephod. Bring me the priestly garment. He goes into the place of prayer. And he begins to seek God. And because of his seeking after God, God gives him revelation. He gives him light. And he speaks to him. And he says this, Pursue, for you shall doubtless recover it all. You see, David had a history of God going to work. He had a history of calling out to God and God speaking to him and giving him light on the subject. How many of you need some light on the subject? You ever feel like you're walking around in darkness and you don't know which way to go, what to do? Let me tell you something. We've got to develop a history. David had a history with God. He knew the Lord is my light. And then he also knew the Lord is my salvation. How many of you know David, as I said, was not perfect? David committed adultery. David even committed murder. But he fell under the conviction of God through the help of Samuel the prophet and he, and he began to weep and he began to cry. In fact, in Psalm 51, you can, he wrote down his confession because of his sin and he said, he said, restore unto me 
the joy of thy salvation. And how many of you know God did that in his behalf? He had a history with God that the Lord was his light. The Lord was his salvation. And then David said this in Psalm 27. He said, the Lord is my strength. You see, he had some knowledge, some understanding, some revelation. He had a history with God. In fact, if you go back to that 1 Samuel 30 passage where he's praying to God because of the, all the, all the armies had come, the Amalekites had come and stolen away their wives and their children and all their goods. The Bible says when he got in the place of prayer there in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 30, he said he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Could I tell you today that if you want to be a serious seeker of God, you've got to develop a history with God. Not I hope He'll be my light. I hope He's my salvation. Knock on wood, maybe the cr- knocking on that cross of heaven. I hope He'll be my strength. No, you've got to come to the place where you have a history with Him. That you know that when you call unto Him, He will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you know not. Somebody say Amen. In fact, even when you look to the last words of David in 2 Samuel chapter 23, his last words, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find him declaring that the Lord was his light. You're going to find and that he, he declared, in, even in his last words, the Lord was his salvation. You're going to find that he declared in his last words, the Lord not only was, but he still is my strength. He had a history with God. That history of relationship. That produced stability in his life, even through the hard places. You see, you and I have got to develop a history with God. And if you don't have much history with Him, just start at His story. When you embrace His story, He'll give you a history with Him. You'll begin to realize that, hey, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. Somebody say amen. David had a discipline of history, but number two, he had a discipline of hunger. For the Bible says that he hungered and he thirsted after the things of God. Look what he said in verse 4. He said, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Not two things, not three things. In other words, I've disciplined myself down to one thought here in my life. One hunger, one desire, one thing I thirst after. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You see, what is He saying here? I'm hungering after Him. I'm hungering after Him. I hunger for Him. Look at these directive words that He said here. He said, "He said, I seek these things. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I want to inquire in His temple. You know what he said? This is the one thing I want. I want to hunger after Him. I want Him in my life. But not only did he have a hunger in Psalm 27, verse uh, uh, 4, after Him, but he had a hunger for His Word. For he said in verse 11 of this same Psalm, he said, Teach me Your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path. Because of my enemies. In fact, that word way means the course of life. He said, I want to know your way. I don't want to know my way. I want to know your way. I hunger for your word. Teach me your ways, O God. When's the last time you spent time in His presence? And the only thing you wanted to do was to be with Him. The only thing that you hungered after was His will and His way in your life. 
Most people spend a lot of time in prayer, but it's not in this vein. It's not just a hungering for His presence and His person in their life and His will and His way. It's because we have this need, that need, and there's nothing wrong with bringing our needs to God. But let me tell you, a serious seeker, he's not just seeking after his stuff. He's seeking after Him. How many of you get that part this morning? David had a discipline of hunger. We gotta stay, what a, hey, let me just throw it this way. Y'all will catch this, most of you that have a TV. Stay hungry, my friend. You've seen the commercial, stay thirsty, my friend. It certainly wasn't for anything we need to be thirsting after. But listen, we've gotta stay hungry for Him. We've gotta stay hungry for His Word. You know, there are some things, when I began to partake of them, I just want more. And the Word of God will be that way in your life. The presence of God will be that way in your life. David had a discipline of history. He had a discipline of hunger in his life where he hungered after the things of God. He hungered after the presence of God. He hungered after the Word of God and the ways of God in his life. But number three from Psalm 27, I love this one. He had a discipline of hope. He hoped. Now, most of us have a concept of hope. Well, I hope I get a raise. I hope things turn out all right. I hope this. I hope that. But let me tell you something. The biblical hope, I've given you this definition before. It's much more than just knock on wood, rock, paper, scissors. I hope I make it kind of thing. The kind of hope that, that David had that we need to develop as a discipline in our life is a confident expectation of good for the future. And David lived with a confident expectation of good for his future. He had a faith in the... And how, how could that be? Because he had a discipline, the first discipline in his life. He had that discipline, that history with God that produced a hope on the inside. He always hungered after more of God and the more of the presence of God in his life. And it built within him a confident expectation of good for the future. In fact, look at verse 3. It says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I'll be confident. What's he talking about? He had a confident expectation of good in his life. Most of us don't really live that way. Come on, i got to be honest. When we sit down and talk, some of us are fearful or concerned about our future. We're worried about this. We're worried about that. Gas prices. Oh, finances. Oh, kids. Oh, Lord. What are we going to do? You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. That's the mindset of most people, but not with David. He said, hey, hey, the war rise against me. My heart shall not fear. I'm staying confident in God. Look in verse 5. He says this, For in time of trouble, He will hide me in His pavilion. In His secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I'm talking about that's a guy who has a confident expectation of good for his future. What's, what do you think about your future? What's the hopes of your heart? Is it kind of, I hope everything turns out all right? Or have you developed because of your history with God? I know things are going to turn out all right. I know because all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. He had a confidence and a hope. Look in verse 10. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, 
The Lord will take care of me. Somebody say, the Lord will take care of me. Let me just pause here for a moment because I got 20 minutes. Let me just pause here for a moment. Do you know the whole world basically has been inundated with daddy issues and parent issues? And I'm about convinced that most ever trouble and trauma we go through and bad, you know, mindset we have is based on some kind of wound and trauma that is wound up and tangled up in family. We've got divorce rates at an all-time high. We've got pained people in the world. And I'm telling you here, David moved beyond that. David moved beyond the moment of his life. He, he moved beyond mom and daddy drama. And he said, you know, if they forsake me, the Lord's going to take care of me. I have a confident expectation of good for my future. Look in verse 13. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have fainted. Unless I had believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Did you know if you lose heart, you won't see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Come on now, let's be honest. In fact, we began a series last Wednesday night that I would encourage all of you to stay plugged in. Even if you weren't here Wednesday night, go, hey, catch up on our uh, 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 online and be here Wednesday night. Oh, you're getting ahead of me right there. Back up. All right. We started a series uh, 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 from the book of James. And, and James was speaking to the church that was scattered abroad. Because of persecution, and one of the first things he said, you know what, it all is going to work out for your good. Count it all joy when you fall into different temptations and, and troubles and trials. And he said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like of the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect anything from God. He just, hey, he got a, a, he, he washed away the fluff and he said, if you don't have faith at the place of prayer, in the middle of your hard times, if you don't have a discipline of hope like we're talking about today. Hey, don't expect that you're going to get anywhere with God. This is the season and this is the hour to develop a discipline in our life. And it's the discipline of hope, a confident expectation of good for our future. Amen. David had developed a lifestyle of seriously seeking God and it was born out of a discipline of history. A discipline of hunger and a discipline of hope. And finally, as you saw just a moment ago, a discipline of the heart. For what does he say? When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, O Lord, I'll seek. David worked through his heart problems. David worked through his emotional troubles and traumas. And he had a heart that was right with God. In fact, he was a man after God's heart. He had a discipline of heart. In fact, I see, and oh, I love, you, I don't know if it's in your note, but Psalm 57, 7, you know what David said? He said, my heart is fixed. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. Therefore, I praise you. 
He had a disciplined life that kept his heart focused and fixed in the right direction. In fact, we see in Psalm 27 a few different uh, characteristics of his heart. Number one, as I said earlier, he had a fearless heart. Verse 3 says, Though an army rise against me, my heart shall not fear. Whew, some of us got a long way to go. I said, whew, some of us got a long way to go. We've got to develop the hope in God of fearlessness and be able to stand fast and say, my heart is fixed. My heart is steadfast. I shall not, as the old hymn says, I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree standing by the waters. I shall not be moved. I'm fearless. He had a fearless heart. Number two, he had a worshiper's heart. How many of you know that to be the case? In fact, that's what moved him into ministry is his worshiping heart. They were searching for somebody to soothe the evil spirit off of Saul. And they said, we got this little boy. Man, he's, he's, a, he's a cool kid, and he's got a harp. And when he sings, whoo, it moves the hand of God. They brought David as, as a minstrel and a singer and a worshiper. And it says he would sing in front of Saul, and that evil spirit would leave him. He was a worshiper. Look what he says here in Psalm 27, verse 6. He said, Now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See, David knew something. In fact, he wrote it down in Psalm. He said, "You, hey, the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. Psalm 22, I believe it is. Psalms 100, he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. That's how you get into the presence of God, by worshiping him. And David had a heart that was disciplined with fearless abandon, and he worshiped God, and he lifted his voice in the presence of God. Listen, one of the best ways to get you from here to there is develop a worshiping heart that says, regardless of the circumstances of my moment, I will bless the Lord at all times. Somebody say at all times. Touch your neighbor and say at all times. Not just in the good times, but at all times. He said, and, my, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. The discipline of heart. He had a fearless heart. He had a worshiper's heart. But number three, he had an obedient heart. For he said in verse 8, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said, Your face, O Lord, I'll seek. My heart said, Your face, O Lord, I will seek. How many of you know we're not born with that? We've got to be born again. Give our heart over to His will and plan for our life. And say, I want to be obedient. Because I want you in my life. And finally, His discipline of heart was revealed in a courageous and strong heart. I love verse 14. Because He turns it now. And He begins to minister to us. And He says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let me give you a little word study, and then we're going to pray. That word wait is much more than just, hmm, I'm waiting. 
waiting on God. Mm-hmm. What time is it? Maybe he'll... Sh- That's not this word. In fact, Isaiah said it this way, wait on the Lord. Same way David said, wait, I say on the Lord. That word wait means to wrap yourself around by twisting. Like a vine. How many of you know a vine just growing by itself? You just pick it up, pluck it up, uproot it. But when that vine gets around that tree and begins to wrap itself around that tree, you cannot, for the life of you, get that vine to loose. David said, you want to be a serious seeker? You want to be able to see your enemies defeated before you? You want to see Him hide you in the secret place? You want to see Him take you through the troubles and the traumas of life? Wait on Him. Get in His presence. Get all wrapped up in Him. And you know what He'll do? He'll strengthen your heart too. He'll give you a strong heart. But you got to wait on Him. Most people are all wrapped up in the wrong things. Come on now. I'm going to say most people are all wrapped up in the wrong things. They're waiting on the mail. Because you just know the check's got to be in the mail. Come on. Wait on Him. What can we learn from the life of David? A disciplined life. A serious seeker who developed a history with God that said, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my salvation. A discipline of hunger. He stayed hungry for God all the days of his life. He said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that's what I'm going to seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He stayed confident and trusting in God. He he had a hope in his heart, a confident expectation of good for the future. And he kept his heart right. He kept his heart fixed. He kept his heart steadfast. He didn't give his heart away to other things. This morning, I got a question for you. What's your heart saying to you? For David said, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, oh God, I will see. What's your heart saying to you? What's tugging on your heart? God's calling us to seek Him. Not seek His but seek Him. How many of you know, if you seek Him, you'll get what's His? But most just want His. They don't want Him. Listen, you get Him, you'll get His. We've got to get our priorities right. Let's stand together. Let's lift our hands to the Lord if that's so.